Dispensing wisdom, inciting awesomeness, scaling joy. Welcome to the Mojo Studios podcast. It's time to turn down the deluge of distractions and put yourself in a mindset of receptivity and growth. Absorb, digest, apply, repeat. Dinner is served. Hey, we're back, and uh, I'm happy to say I'm here with, again, with my friend Hemi, who actually changed his little name tag today to Joe's friend, Lee. Yep. <laughs> morning, Lee. How are you? Good morning, Joe. How are you? Good, good. Hey, I know sometimes I've spoken to you in, let's see, Oklahoma. Sometimes I spoke to you in Alabama. Where are you today? Today, I'm in Boise, Idaho, actually Meridian, a suburb. I've crossed Boise, or I've crossed Idaho countless times. But I've always crossed it at the very top little handle part going from Montana to Washington when I was visiting my grandparents. So you can cross Idaho in about a half an hour. <laughs> yeah. But that still seemed big to me because my gran- grandparents uh, lived in Acton, Montana, which actually does have one sign that says Acton on both sides. So you do enter and leave Acton at the same time. You know, they had a population, official census population of seven. But uh, wow. everybody knew that was an exaggeration because most of the people didn't even live in the city limits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was a kid, they had uh, they had a store that was a gas station, post office, and restaurant, and that was the building in Acton, Montana. Then wow. the post office post office pulled out because there wasn't enough traffic there, and then there was just a gas station and a restaurant. Now the gas station's gone, so now there's a restaurant. <laughs> can you can you imagine being the postal worker in a town of seven people? Well, I think the postal worker was also the restaurant owner and the gas station owner. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's awesome. Good old Montana. Speaking of Montana, um, I just realized uh, the other day that uh, Eugene Peterson lived on Flathead Lake. Is that right? That's right, which is beautiful. You you showed me, when we traveled together, you showed me that beautiful part of Montana. Never forgot it. Some of the most beautiful country I've ever seen. Absolutely, yeah. I'm I'm very uh, partial and prejudiced towards Montana. I think primarily for Flathead and Glacier Park, because that was very close to our youth camp, and so right. we'd hang out there a lot. In fact, you and I <laughs> had a lot of fun at that youth camp. Yeah, we did. Glacier Bible Camp. Yeah, yeah. I, I, in fact, when I came to California, I was very prejudiced to think that there's no place like Montana, and there isn't in terms of rivaling the beauty and just the wide open spaces and the big sky, and then. Uh, we went on this retreat to Yosemite, and I thought, okay, well, there are other places in the world that can rival the beauty of Montana. Yeah, that's not so bad either. Not so bad, yeah. Some of God's most amazing creations. Yeah. I was scrolling through Facebook this week, and I came across a brand new, hot off the press, God moment from my friend Lee. Uh, many of the God moments that we've shared have been ones that he's published over the years, and uh, thankfully he's still... He's still generating them, which means actually even better. He's still experiencing God moments. Kind of set us up before we start reading what you wrote. I've traveled a lot on airplanes, as have you. And uh, I used to, man, I used to just love it. And I've sort of, I don't know, I've just, for some reason, I don't enjoy it. Well, for a lot of reasons, probably. I don't enjoy it as much. And there's actually been a couple of times when I've come pretty close to having some sort of uh, uh, claustrophobic, uh, motivated panic attack, and this is one of those times. <laughs> okay. Oh, one of the glorious moments of life. Mm-hmm. 
So Lee wrote, Lee wrote this just a few days ago, two days ago, I think. Lee's God moment says, the parking lot of our church was in the landing path of Austin International Airport. Sometimes when Lindy and I would walk from the sanctuary to her class in the children's building, we would look up and see a jet flying over. As she and I watched the lines of condensation stream behind the plane, I would say, someday, Lindy, we'll be on a plane like that, taking the good news to people in a place far away. Airline travel seemed so exciting and romantic 25 years ago. Yesterday was a bit of a contrast. Either I'm getting a lot bigger or the seats are getting smaller. Masks must be worn at all times. Folks seem a little edgier these days. Perhaps they are hangry, undernourished by the cookie and Diet Coke they've been served. And this happened. As I sat back in my seat, the lady behind me was bending down to get something out of her purse. Apparently contact was made because she screamed and hit me on the top of the head. I'd not been struck by another human since a fight on the playground in middle school. My stomach started to rumble. I felt closed in. There are still two hours left in the flight and nowhere to go. No escape from the frustrations and annoyances and anxieties produced by being crammed into a metal tube with too many other people, some of them hostile. With nowhere to run and no way to change the situation, I had two options, a genuine panic attack or some sort of divine intervention. I chose the second option, realizing that if necessary, I could always fall back on the first. With God listening, I tried something new. Rather than pasting on a smile and denying the issues, I cupped my hands in front of my face for privacy and described the situation to him. No thanksgiving, no faith-building cliches, just my reality. I inventoried every area of my being, the physical discomfort, the minor irritations, the claustrophobia, my anger over being misunderstood and being attacked because of it. Two things happened. First, I sensed the Father's closeness. Rather than condemning me for not entering his gates with thanksgiving, he actually seemed relieved by my honesty. For once, I was not denying my pain or trying to escape it. I was laying it at his feet. Secondly, I began to feel a solidarity with other people. At that moment, hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian refugees were walking cold highways, cramming into tents and shelters, wondering where a meal would come from. I felt a tiny hint of their pain, mourned with them, prayed for them. Moments later, I checked back on my own situation. It wasn't that my discomfort and frustration had disappeared. It's just that it didn't matter as much anymore in the presence of my father and my struggling brothers and sisters. Maybe this is what Jesus meant when he blessed the mourners and promised comfort. Maybe the best response to the inevitable pain of the human condition is not to run for an exit. Maybe it's not denial or self-medication. Maybe it's to recognize the entirety of it, of it, embrace it, and carry it into the presence of the Father. He is good and wise. He will know what to do with it. Mm. Amen. I can't imagine how you were feeling, but that just really brought lots of uh, perspective to my own minor irritations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and as, as it turns out in context of the whole wide world, mine were minor as well. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it in the moment, right? The, the no, it doesn't. Yeah. It's all relative. <laughs> it's all relative, right. Yeah, and I think there's there's something beautiful about your reflection here that has got me thinking really deeply about my own life as well and about the spiritual condition that we're all in, is that it isn't 
healthy. It isn't even God's will that to just put on the pasty face, right? To say everything's okay. And I, I think we've all experienced in church, you know, you walk up to somebody and how are you doing? And they, fine, how are yeah. you? Fine, yeah. good, good to see you. Have a great day. All right, God bless you, goodbye. And you could have said nothing and still had the same result, except for maybe making somebody have a fake smile. But we all know that behind the smiles, that our own smiles and the smiles of those around us, there's untold amounts of irritation and real pain. And we certainly can't help each other if we don't, if we're not open and vulnerable to share those things with each other and with our heavenly Father. Yeah, that's right. As I've thought back to, about my own brokenness, uh, and and I've inherited some of that from my parents, and I think a lot of it had to do with, uh, you know, our theology growing up. What we were taught only one side of the Psalms, which is enter into His gates with thanksgiving, rejoice in the Lord always, and um, it was against the rules to express or admit that we had pain and struggles. And so what happens is we, we just learned how to avoid uh, talking about it and, and, and we tried to avoid pain itself. And you know, the more you, the more, the more you live your life trying to avoid pain, the more neurotic you become. And um, it's just not a good way to live. And so the Lord has really been teaching me in these days uh, so, something different, you know, recognizing it and embracing it. And, and then you don't camp there. It's a part of the process. You know, I just got my next generation of my Apple Watch, and there's a new thing on there. Do you have an Apple Watch? I don't. I don't okay, have well, <laughs> Nice. <laughs> You're one of those guys that just has it right in, in your head. You could always know what time it is, right? No, I, now I have an excuse for being late. I don't know. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, on my on my Apple Watch now, it ha every day it, it at some point in time it says you need to do a mindfulness exercise, and and I don't know if you've heard that's kind of one of the buzzwords now being mindful, right? And it's basically sort of like taking inventory of what's going on in your body, your mind, your emotions, your spirit. And I've sort of coined a term for myself. I'm sure it probably isn't original, but I but theological mindfulness, because uh, just being mindful of your pain doesn't really do anything for you. But if you can bring it to God and, and, and say, hey, hey I'm, I'm recognizing, you know, I've got a headache today, or gosh, this gray cloud of di discouragement and depression has come over me, and you recognize it and you bring it to God. I, I'm, I'm telling you, Joe, um, amazing things can happen. Yeah. Uh, the word that came to mind while you're describing this is instead of mindfulness, which to me says we keep it all inside. It's in my mind. What about Godfulness, right? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> He'll give us his joy for our sadness. He'll give us, you know, the oil of joy for the spirit of heaviness. And But I think we, we want to jump right to the happiness, right, to the joy without expressing or admitting or being open or bringing, as you said, the reality of our pain and sorrow and questions and angst to God, which the irony there is is so palpable because God knows all of that. He sees us right. for who we are. He knows us better than we even do. And yet we think we're too ashamed to admit to ourselves, to other people, or even to God who already knows all this stuff, what we're struggling with. But it's in that confession, in that mindfulness that becomes Godfulness, that he can replace all of our limitations with his unlimited power. Yeah, that's right. As you were talking, I was just thinking, it's kind of like coming into 
it's kind of like having a backpack on our back and and every everything every difficulty that comes to us is like uh, oh i've got a headache but i don't want to think about it i don't want to you know so i stick it in my backpack and try to sort of deny it oh I'm, i had a, i had a difficult conversation with my, with my wife i don't want to think about that so i put it in the backpack oh you know oh i'm really worried about the war and um i'm really worried about gas prices uh but i'm just going to rejoice in the lord and and before you know it your backpack is just getting more and more full how about if you pick it up and you go and then you give it to god <laughs> you know and yeah. then and come and come to god and start pulling all those things out of your backpack and it's a much better way to deal with pain yeah yeah the picture i got in my mind is rather than by myself trying to hold all that pain on my back which of course just makes you feel heavy and weighted we've all experienced that where you can just barely move god's like this giant dump truck you know when i when i grew up in montana we go to butte butte is the city where i was born and it's on the wave to almost everywhere in montana and butte in the middle of butte is this huge open pit mine just this gaping hole in the ground where they mined all the minerals and stuff but what i remember the most as a kid is these trucks these Terex Titans trucks. It was, it was a dump truck, but on steroids, it was like Goliath or, you know, Godzilla or something. And we would get close enough to realize the perspective of how giant that was. And so while you're talking about the backpack, I thought I'm trying to carry my weight on my own when God is this Terex Titan and even greater where it wouldn't even notice if, you know, once I got it yeah. into the back of his pickup, he's going to take care of it. And in a mine, where the minerals come from is through heat and pressure, you know, coal becomes a diamond. And mm -hmm. the Bible, Bible has this metaphor that it's through the fire that our lives, our spirits are refined. And we, but we want to avoid pain. You know, we want to be comfortable. It's the human condition as opposed to, we can realize that through the pain that we go through, the discomfort, that it's in that process that God can refine us and have us more dependent on him and, and bring out the gold, right? That's hidden and trapped underneath all the rocks. Mm -hmm. The other part of your God moment, which I really love, was the solidarity with our brothers and sisters uh, around the world, brothers and sisters that we may never meet in person, but maybe we'll get to spend eternity with, right? And I think that's a, another great perspective I don't want to miss in this, is that there's two parts uh, of your God moment. One was bringing your pain honestly, openly, transparently, vulnerably to God and see what he can do. But the other part was realizing that I'm not in this alone, right? I'm my pain isn't uncommon to the human condition. It's not just woe is me. It's it's really it's woe is us. But to take you know take it from the misery loves company to realize that others can identify with my pain. I can identify with theirs, and there's some great solidarity that can happen there uh, that will bring us all together. You know, into the presence of our God. A couple of months ago, I was in Alabama by myself. Cindy was. Uh, she was finishing up a job in Tulsa and we were in the process of moving to Alabama. And I was down there by myself, get, kind of getting things ready. And I was lonely and sad. I'm so vulnerable here, you know, but one of the things that has happened in my life is uh, just kind of a cyclical depression, right? So I was there, I was alone and that began to come over me. And, you know, some of the great spiritual people in the past have talked about there's something redemptive about a dark night of the soul. And I just, I just haven't had that experience, but help me, you know? And so I just, I just kind of embraced it. Okay, here, here it comes. Here comes this darkness, and I just went and I sat on the floor and I said, "God, what, what, what do you want to show me from this?" And at that moment in time, I sitting on the floor, 
he gave me solidarity with all the people around the world who are in mental hospitals that in mental institutions that that they're just stuck there because of something they can't see or explain they're they're imprisoned by that and i was able to pray for them and realize man i i i don't, I don't even begin to know what it's like uh to experience the worst parts of, of mental illness you know and uh and it was really a redeeming thing god really has a an ability to use our pain for beautiful things absolutely yeah that's such a great reminder to all of us that our pain doesn't have to turn us inward it can turn us upward and outward to realize i'm not the only one suffering and i need to pray for others i need to have compassion or even take action to help someone out in fact there's plenty of research you know the the research in psychology and sociology and and even medicine will say that some sometimes the the antidote for your own pain for your own depression is that by getting out of your mindfulness about my own stuff and getting out to help someone to to make a difference in someone else's life to be aware of what somebody else is going through and and do something about that can actually redeem your own stuff it can get sure, you sure. out of the funk that you're in and I think that's a biblical principle as well. Absolutely. Given, given it shall be given unto you, right? Yeah. There again, you can take your depression and stick it in your backpack and say, okay, I'm just going to ignore it and go help somebody. But but to embrace it and say, this is real, but God, with your but with your help, let's redeem this. You know, let's 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 use my experience of pain and how I understand it. Every painful thing that we've ever experienced becomes a little merit badge you know that we that we put on our little scout uniform that gives us the ability to help somebody else now with what yeah. they're going through every single one can be redeemed in that way that's amazing yeah so if, if we can keep this in mind it actually gives us a sense of purpose for the pain right that it's, that's right it draws me to my father and it gives me compassion for those around me so that I'm sensitive to the needs of those around me. Aren't those the two things that we want anyway? We, we don't want it by going through pain, of course, we all want to avoid that. But if that can be the outcome of what we're going through, then we can learn to embrace it and see that there is there is a value. God is at work in me in the darkest of times, in the bleakest of times, in the most painful times. One of the things that we do with pain is we immediately in our in our humanity, we immediately look around for somebody to blame. Why? Why has this happened to me? Oh, Joe did this to me, or I did this to myself. There's a really cool story from Jesus's life. There was this guy. He was he was born blind. He, uh, you know, he didn't have like some kind of explosion or something like that. But he was born blind, and the disciples in the Jewish culture were everything that happened had a consequence you do a good thing good things happen to you you do a bad thing bad things happen to you that's that was the jewish mindset so yeah. the jews went well this guy was born blind so whose fault was it was it his parents fault and jesus said neither that man nor his parents sinned but that god may be glorified and then he went and healed the and healed the man so apparently the whole all of the pain was there so that god could heal him and show the world what a loving and powerful God he is. Instead of our, our, our natural instinct to say, I'm in pain, why is this? Did, you know, did my parents do this to me? Have I inherited from them? Did I do something wrong and now I'm reaping the benefits? How about just, God, how can you, how can you receive glory from this? How can you redeem this? Just 
just don't worry about the blame. Yeah, I think our two instincts are either blame or shame or or combination of both. We've we've touched right. on these. And what I what I find fascinating is as I study leadership and organizational development and things in business world, it's amazing how God's principles are bubbling up in the conversations these days. So a very popular speaker is Brene Brown, who talks a lot about vulnerability in leadership. Mm -hmm. Well, we were raised in a culture and a generation where you don't show any vulnerability. If you're the leader, you've got to have it all together, including our pastors and our ministers, right? And so then sitting in the in the audience as a teenager or as a young kid, I think either two things, either I could never do that because I'm way too weak and vulnerable, right? Or yep. if I forget in that position, I can never tell anybody what I'm struggling with. Turns out, as, as God would have it, that's not good leadership. That's not even good sonship in, in the family of God. It's in the vulnerability. As Paul said very clearly, it's in my weakness that God's strength is made perfect. And you've, you've described that very well, that sometimes it's in showing the struggle that I'm going through that others can be encouraged to say, hey, I can identify with that. I can't identify with the person up front who doesn't ever have a struggle, but I can identify with the person up front who says, I'm just like you. I got my own struggles. I, I got my own darkness that I deal with. And yet God shows up in those moments when I'm on the plane and I get hit over the head by somebody behind me. I didn't even know they were there, right? And it's <laughs> in those moments, if I'm willing to go from mindfulness of my own pay to Godfulness, right? And then seeing that solidarity and having compassion on others that I can actually be transformed and grow through the process. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Man, Joe, I'm glad I'm not in your business world, but I'm really glad that that is bubbling over the whole idea of vulnerability and leadership because it's it's a heavy weight as a leader you know talk about putting stuff in your backpack to have to try to deny and and fool everybody about your own brokenness and issues the, the backpack is so full i i have this theory and i think it's probably a pretty good one that the reason why a lot of our uh why a, a lot of our leaders christian leaders and otherwise implode is that they're carrying too heavy of a weight and they just don't have the strength to fight the good fight against uh you know sin and and temptation yeah yeah i know we've all heard the phrase it's lonely at the top and i've talked to plenty of pastors and leaders a lot of my peers who will just say that is that they feel like they can't tell anybody what they're really going through in their own circle of influence because they'll get judged or they'll get they'll lose their job or they'll get stigmatized or you know labeled or whatever so they have to go outside of their own congregation to find solidarity with someone other pastor who's also struggling and is vulnerable enough to, to talk about it and i think well that can't be healthy right <laughs> it can't be what god's plan is for us so here's what i want to leave with our listeners is that in the moments of pain and discomfort especially the ones where you didn't even bring it on yourself. I'm thinking of Lee's moment in the plane. He wasn't trying to irritate the person behind him. He certainly didn't want to get hit over the head. I know that feeling like as a kid where I got in trouble for something I didn't do. And it's just the, the injustice of it, you know, I just want to realize, hey, that's not fair. How many times have I stood before God and said, that's <laughs> not fair, right? <laughs> right. And I think God's telling me today and hopefully those that are listening, like the blind man in the Bible, it's not about fairness, Joe. It's about what I'm doing in you. I'm building character. I'm building spir right. spiritual resilience. 
I, I like this word I've heard recently called anti-fragile. It like takes resilience and goes to a whole nother level where when bad things happen, which inevitably they do, it's not just that you can withstand them. It's that you actually learn something. You grow from it. You evolve or whatever that word is that you want to put in there. And I'm thinking, God, that's that's what I want. That's what I want for me. Yes. That's what I want for my family, my friends, for our listeners. It's just to take us from being fragile and where we want to avoid pain or we fall apart too easily to being resilient, right? This is the, the growth path to becoming anti-fragile where when think bad things happen, I realize God's here. He knows, he understands, he can do something in me to make me stronger. He can use this to help me have be compassionate on those around us. And in expressing my vulnerability, I can actually inspire others to say, if that's, if that's how God works, I'm in. That's good. Yeah, Joe, if you want to, if you really, really want to pray a courageous prayer, say, God, make me a stronger, better person. Oh, no, no, I can't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's way too risky. Uh, as you know, as you can tell by what, the way you're reacting, he doesn't wave his little magic wand over you and suddenly you, you your spiritual muscles grow. It's it's through adversity and through, through trials. But man, I look back and, and I realize the best the best part of life has been that part of life, not not some kind of accomplishments, certainly not any kind of pain I avoided, but the, the, the areas where I can see that, wow, God has really, he's really caused me to grow and become more like Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So God is, God is with us, not just when things are right, not just when we got it all together. In fact, if God was only with us when we had it all together, we would never really get to know him because that's really true. We never really have it all together. Right. That's really true. That's good. Hey, Lee, do you want, you want to pray a pr courageous prayer over all of us before we close here? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, father Joe and I, and maybe anybody who's in the sound of our voice, uh, we say to you, let your will be done. And we recognize that uh, you love us and we recognize that Jesus promised that uh, whatever uh, yoke, whatever mission you would give us is, is not going to be more than we can handle, but is relatively easy compared to the kind of yoke we put on ourselves uh, when our mission is to escape pain <laughs> and to try to deny reality. So we invite you, Lord God, to do your work in our lives. And make us the person that you want us to be. Also, Father, we take a moment to remember the people in uh, in Ukraine, now well over a million people who are displaced, people who are afraid, people whose lives are being completely turned upside down and redefined. We pray, Lord God, that this would be a moment when they can feel your closeness. God, we pray for uh, the leaders of Russia and Ukraine and and, uh, and the world, God, that you would bring sanity to them. That would be a real miracle. But all things are possible with you. And, and we close this prayer by being so excited and grateful for the, for the fact that Jesus is coming soon. And he will lead this world with servanthood and kindness and justice. And also, God, I pray that your spirit inside of us will remind us in those moments of pain and discomfort and frustration that, one, you are aware you haven't abandoned us. That's not a sign that you're not with us. But in fact, it's a reminder of how much you love us, how much you are with us. So help us, God, 
remind us not to just take our pain and stuff it somewhere, but to bring it to you and then to allow it to give us that sense of openness, vulnerability, and compassion, empathy for others around us who are struggling as well. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brother Lee. Thank you, Joe. I wish we would have known this stuff uh, 30, 35 years ago when we used to travel together, huh? Would have been helpful. (laughs) That would have been nice. I'm sure we weren't as enlightened then as we are now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure you're right. (laughs) Uh, It's always a pleasure spending time with you, my my friend. You as well, Joey. Have a great day. You too, Hammy. (laughs) Peace out. If this episode was beneficial to you, be sure to pay it forward, sharing it with others who may need a boost as well. Until next time, dream big, start small, act now. Thank you.